Welcome to The Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. We'd like to welcome back today a previous guest, Ali Motamed, CFA, Managing Partner and Portfolio Manager of Invenomic Capital Management. They're management, manager of the Invenomic Fund, a long, short fund. He speaks to us from their headquarters in beautiful Boston, Massachusetts. Ali, welcome back to Strategic Investor Radio. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for having me. So, Ali, I uh, want you to know we had you back uh, despite but not because you are a Red Sox and Patriots fan. Okay, so we're willing to overlook that for, for some period of time here. As we learned last time, uh, you started out in Iran at a very young age, uh, went to the U.K., then to Southern California, finally at UCLA, then on to Harvard for an MBA. You went to Boston Partners. You were the co-portfolio manager of the Long Short Equity Fund there for many years, and uh, you've been doing long short strategies for 17 straight years. And in 2014, you were awarded the Portfolio Manager of the Year in the Alternatives category by Morningstar. And you started uh, in Venomic in uh, what year was it? 2000 and? 2016, I started the firm and we launched June 19th of 2017 uh, with our live product. Okay, so just over two years old. So. Did we miss anything important in your background here? We did not miss anything important. I mean, besides the fact that I've been wanting to do this my whole career. So, you know, from the time I moved to the United States from England, uh, you know, this has kind of been the, the uh, you know, I've had a passion for investing that developed out of, you know, collecting baseball cards. And I've been working towards this from that time, you know, uh, 28 years ago. Okay, so let's start out with a question here, uh, Ali. Uh, I read an article by Jack Bogle uh, several years ago, and I know he has said this more than once, that one of the major challenges of active management, uh, you know, mutual fund type management like you guys do, uh, is that you've got to time two things correctly, and that is the entry and the exit. Well, with long short, you have two other additional challenges. Number one, you've doubled the challenge because now you're not only long and you have to time the entries and exits, but you have short positions where you have to time the entries and exits. And you are doing both in the same market environment where 70% of the stocks historically move in the same direction uh, together. And so you must really love a challenge. So what keeps you, well, what attracts you and keeps you in long short these 17 straight years here, Ali? I think the most fun part uh, of the job is the constant learning. I mean, we look at the U.S. equity market. It's 4,000 companies. So, you know, even though you said 70%, uh, you know, move in one direction, that's, you know, 1,200 companies that, that don't move in that direction. Uh, and we're constantly going through a process of learning them and trying to uh, develop an edge uh, and make good decisions. And, you know, in the end of the day, yes, those are decisions that we have to make. But we think 17 years of, of practice 
you know, 2,500 or more investments, and we've gotten pretty good at those timings of the entries and the exits and what we look for. So, you know, the fun of it is the learning, the constant learning and working with the team. Uh, and, you know, we understand it's a challenge, but we think it's one, one we're up to. Well, uh, you know, congratulations. You, you must like rock climbing on weekends, right? You're up for a challenge, or maybe it's those four kids you've got that are giving you plenty of challenges yeah. there these days. So uh, uh, tell us, uh, you use fundamental analysis. Now, it's hard for me to understand. I'm a technical analysis guy, and it's hard for me to understand how you can go short on fundamental analysis, and all of the fundamentals may say this company is weak, but if the market is going strong in an upward direction, uh, you know, they, they, they may continue to go up for months on end. So uh, do, do, do you tweak it in any way to use any quantitative or, or, or uh, technical analysis or anything? Or do you just stay with fundamental analysis? And do you find that they move, you know, quickly enough in the right direction to be worth it? Uh, so we base our investment decision-making on fundamental analysis pretty much exclusively. So, um, you know, that, that's the way that we drive it. Obviously, we do look at things like stock charts, but I think the way we look at them is different than the way a technical analyst looks at them. So we look at things like volume and price movements, and, you know, it, it just has a slightly different approach to it. So, uh, and then looking at the, the long versus the short side, yes, the market moves up. But like you said, not all the stocks move up in the same direction. And so what's unique about being able to be long and short at the same time is you take the market risk dynamic out of the equation. And so you can uh, theoretically, and we have over the long time, driven a lot of alpha uh, while managing that market exposure. And in a time like this, I think that's, that's incredibly important. Well, there's no question about it that going forward uh, is fully expected to be very different than uh, the, the past 10 years here. But no, no question about it, real challenges. So one of the things you need to do, and I presume it's an integral part of what you do and a very important aspect of performance, is you have to determine how much you are net long or net short. So tell us about how you do that, how it has worked, and, 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 and how do you see that as being more productive going forward than it has been in the past? Right. Uh, so one of the things that's unique about our product is that we do not try and determine from a top-down level what our market exposures are going to be. Uh, we are invested fully on the long side pretty much at all times, so 90% plus. And then we only short stocks when we think we can actually make money shorting those stocks, those individual securities. And so what happens is in a time when the market is more overvalued, we tend to find a lot more short opportunities. And so it's really a byproduct of a process of trying to look at the opportunity set that kind of ends up giving us our positioning exposure. And we've historically been really good at, at positioning and taking on market exposure and managing market exposure, but it's come off of, you know, individual decisions on a 250 stock portfolio rather than one or two times of me or the team saying, you know, let's take on risk or take off risk. I think, you know, you can have a diversified portfolio, but if your drivers of your exposure are those single decisions, uh, then those, uh, you know, perhaps are not as replicable as what we think we've done over the long term. So you are definitely not 
a macro investment analyst? No, but we have to be macro aware to the extent that there's a lot going on in the world and things are changing and they have implications for companies. So, for example, trade war. Well, that trade war is not a micro issue. It's a macro issue. But if you're owning or shorting stocks that have exposure to trade, it's, it's very, very relevant. Then the good thing is, is as we're fundamental analysts, we can actually go, you know, there are whole sectors that trade off of trade wars, so cyclicals and industrials. Uh, but there are many companies that perhaps do not uh, fall victim to some of the negative impacts of what's going on. So where we step in is we can evaluate things like a trade war macro issues, and yet we can find a way that we can find great investment opportunities that are mispriced as a result of uh, what seems like a world where really there aren't that many individual security analysts out there anymore. People seem to be asset allocating on a, on a mass a broader level. And right. so, you know, those broad indexes make a lot of mistakes on, on the most basic level. The, the indexes that don't even characterize the, the companies correctly. I mean, we find companies all the time where we look at the index code or where we look at the sector that it's meant to be in and it doesn't represent it. So you have, when you have a whole part of the market trading on that, it creates enormous mispricings that we use to our advantage. Okay, and, and all of that uh, sounds very comforting. How do you do then your asset allocation in order to not be overweighted in financials or energy or something like that? Uh, do you worry about, I'm, I'm sure you, you're concerned about diversification among various, quote, sectors. But from what you just said, it, it sounds like it's much more complicated for you than it is for others because you, you have to do it from the ground up here. Yeah, uh, well, we run our firm as a pool of generalists, and I think that's really important because you you don't want to not be overweight certain sectors at certain times. Uh, what you want to do is have a great understanding of how overweight you are and manage that exposure and understand it. Uh, but if, for example, a sector of the economy presents unique opportunities for investing in, uh, you know, we will get a little bit overweight. And now when you think about that in the context of a 250 stock portfolio, it's a little bit hard to get very, very overweight uh, because even, you know, five or 10 names may add up to, you know, 5% or less exposure. So the diversification manages it a lot. We have very, very tight risk monitoring that we use. But at the same time, um, you know, we like to take advantage of opportunities when they present themselves. I've found that so many firms organize themselves on a sector level where an analyst will only look at a specific sector. And the difficulty of that is, well, if that whole sector is incredibly attractive, uh, it's very difficult for those analysts to suddenly decide, well, we like many, many of these names, or I don't want to own anything in my sector. Uh, because of the way we're designed, we really are able to go to where the opportunities are. Okay. And so tell us both on the long and the short side, uh, typically, wh what's the range of your holding periods for both of those? Uh, so generally speaking, we have about 65% portfolio turnover. Uh, one of the things is, that's unique is that because we're generally taking smaller position sizes, we, you know, we can have long holding periods. You know, we may find companies that have a massive mispricing where you know, the next incremental news feed may not be perfect, but the upside is tremendous over, let's say, a two-year holding period. And so we can start sort of legging into those positions, uh, and that helps us keep our tax efficiency, and it keeps turnover down. 
yet at the same time, you know, we're able to buy things where we where where they're real outliers. So how do you handle something that is a challenge for all of us in the markets these days that they move so much due to headline news? Do you just don't pay attention to that and you look at things on on a weekly basis? Because as we know, so, you know, word on on a China trade deal, you know, the market moves up and the next day it moves down and the next day it moves up and it drives us crazy here. So how do you deal with that today, which is really quite different from the way it has typically been over the past 10 years? Uh, I love it. I mean, I think it's total noise and it's just distracting everyone else. And for us, you know, we, we think about things. We make a decision on how we think things will unfold, monitor. Uh, but at the same time, we don't change what we're doing every single day because of it. We, we take the approach that, you know, every bit of knowledge we gain and research we, we do, we want it to have some enduring power to it. So when we're learning about new companies and you know, digging into financial statements, those don't change to a day-to-day basis. So when it comes to how are we going to invest our time, we much prefer to invest it in things that have sort of a, a more durable knowledge and can help us in the coming years, even if they don't help us that, that minute. So uh, how do you, do you like, well, the size of companies that you like to invest in? Do you like small cap, mid cap, large cap uh, or, or do you not pay attention to that? I, I'm sure you do. How, how do you handle that aspect of things? Well, we like all of those, right? And at different points in the cycle and at different times, uh, each will present opportunity. So when we launched about two years ago, uh, you know, we had more of a net short bias towards the small cap sector. And then as we go through that same stock picking process, you know, it ends up that our short cap a small cap exposure started getting to a more net long position and so now we're a little more net long small caps so one of the great things about the structure of the fund is that because it's very diversified and we have a pretty firm capacity constraint on this hedge fund at about three billion but because it's pretty diversified with about 150 long positions at any given point in time we're able to go down into those smaller uh, market cap companies and still establish full positions and, and, you know, consistently run the strategy. So, you know, there's different, just like different sectors present different opportunities, different caps have different opportunities at different points in the cycle. And, you know, our investors really have trusted us and given us the freedom to be able to go to where we think the opportunities are. And that's part of the reason that we've been able to outperform by so much, I think. So what do you think, uh, Ali, are the major misperceptions by investors and advisors in investing in the long-short space? What, what do you understand that they don't seem to understand often? Uh, I think that one of, the, uh, of investing in the long-short space, I would say in the end of the day, I think that, that people uh, don't see alpha in a lot of the long short strategies that they've invested in and i think that's right you know in the end of the day if you take the average of any market you're going to end up at an average right so uh when they look at categories they 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 just sit back and say well there's no alpha so i'm not going to really try well i i I think that's a mistake you know we've shown that we can consistently and persistently deliver alpha and there's other firms that have done it too so i think you know it's important to take the effort to try and find uh, unique strategies and managers, I think, that can deliver great results for your clients. 
And just taking a passive allocation approach, you know, is very, very dangerous, in my opinion, especially at this point in time. The, you know, the small cap index, if you're a small cap company and you get moved to mid cap, right, if the stock, if the company is so successful that the stock moves from the S&P 600 to the mid cap 400, the stock will go down 12% just because of the index exposure. Right. So there's so many different opportunities in there to go and find alpha uh, and these indexes that by nature suggest small caps are 12 percent on average overvalued. Right. Uh, so so just allocating passively to indexes is very dangerous. And there is a lot of alpha to be found, but you need to find managers that are disciplined, don't take on too much assets for their strategy and, and have a history and a process, in my opinion. So, Ali, uh, your investors, okay, do they typically come in from advisors? Are they typically from the institutional side? Or are they private individuals contacting you guys directly? Uh, who are they? And then why do they invest in your fund, recognizing you're not giving them surveys every other week here, but based upon what you understand? Right. Uh, our clients are generally among the most sophisticated advisory firms and family offices, and they invest in our fund because, you know, over the long term, we've been able to outperform the market with a lot less volatility. Uh, so that's part of it. Um, but they also, I think, see that, you know, we've done that in an environment where our strategy, we're very value focused. And I think you've heard, that, you know, and seen yeah. uh, that value has been getting pummeled for 10 years it has performing right right so we've been delivering a lot of our performance in an environment where a strategy and we can back test and show how correlated we are to this horrible uh factor exposure well that factor exposure moves in cycles that are pretty predictable between sort of eight and ten years and and there's a real reason for it and they look at us and say well these guys did so well with the wind in their face well now maybe the wind in their tails Going forward, if they could keep executing, then we'll have a really, really nice outcome in the next decade. Hey, we really appreciate that input. That, that was a very, very important point. Uh, thank you. So let's change the subject just a little bit. Uh, looking at a broader level, a question we'd like to ask guests, Ali, is what's the best advice you've heard, read, or received about investing? I've, I've gotten a lot of advice. In the end of the day, I think the best intuitions are the ones you come up with yourself from you know reading and and investing over and over and over again you come up with things that are unique um but i would say one of my one of my favorite pieces of advice is that you really only get you only get paid short selling stocks when the investors in the stock capitulate right you never make money short short selling a stock because you think it's overvalued or because others may think it's overvalued you only make right. money when the existing investor base of that stock says, I don't want to be in this anymore. Uh, so, so, and, and I think that one of the most dangerous things is, is you really have to understand their perspective. One of the most dangerous things is when you automatically assume that you're 100% right because you don't understand the other side of the story, right? So it's really important to, to understand what you're thinking and also understand the counterpoint to what you're thinking so that you can make a balanced decision. You know, that is an excellent point, Ali, uh, one that we have not heard before. And, uh, you know, that, that is so absolutely true. There are always two sides to a story. And whether we like the other side or believe it, we need to know what it is. 
And uh, that is a great, great. And then the other thing is not everyone has to agree with that other side. You only need enough shareholders to buy, keep buying that stock, right? That's not everyone in the world. Uh, so, so when you think about it that way, it's really dangerous to not understand their perspective. Excellent point again. So another question we'd like to ask all of our guests, what keeps you awake at night, uh, Ollie, other than the, the, the Patriots and the Red Sox? <laughs> they don't keep me awake anymore. Uh, I feel good. good about that. <laughs> 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 keeps me awake. I mean, in the end, I have, you know, four kids and I'm married and I have a team that that counts on me and you know so there's 20 some odd people that i feel responsible to every day and so i got to be my best you know so you know sleep is important so i don't want it to keep me awake but at the same time it's really important not to forget that excellent point uh, again and so what book on investing would you recommend for our listeners ali i don't remember the one you recommend recommended last time I think it was Thinking Fast, Thinking Slow. Okay. Uh, so that's a great book. Now, my my favorite book, you know, Thinking Fast, Thinking Slow is not really a book on investing. It's a book on, on thinking. Right. Uh, and those are the types of books that I like the most. And so the book that I've been reading that is really incredible is uh, it's called The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F. Uh, it's not just an F, but it's, right. it's an amazing, it's an amazing book. It just talks about how to frame problems and how to frame approaches. And it's, you know, basically the, the concept is that, you know, there's no such thing as a problem free life, right? The, the, the way to have a great life is to pick the problems that you like that you want to solve and then go out and solve them. And that's very fulfilling. And, and it really resonated with me. So uh, I would encourage people to read that. You know, I think sometimes investing is just about broadening how you think. Uh, and, and I think that fits in that category. You know, I've seen that book uh, on the uh, on the charts and it's been a bestseller for some time. But uh, this is the first time I've talked with anybody who has uh, actually been reading it. So uh, it's very incredible. pleased to that. You should definitely read it. It's a it's a quick read. You know, I'm really uh-huh. busy, but I sat down and put, you know, 100, 150 pages a day for a couple days. Really? That's how good it is. Okay. Well, thank you very much. So for those who would like to know more, Ali, uh, give us uh, some contact information here. Yeah. So the firm is Invenomic. The website is, and that Invenomic is a mix of invest. I'll just give you a little quick story on the name of the firm. Sure. I was going to name the firm Autonomic. Uh, capital management. Your autonomic nervous system is the part of your body that runs without human thought. And the thought process was, you know, we run a variable exposure. We kind of want to be an all-weather fund. When it's time to short and take down exposure, we do that. When it's time to get long and cover the shorts, we do that too. Uh, but autonomic was a vehicle taken by, by Lehman Brothers. And so nomic, the suffix, means generally accepted by the laws of nature. It's like economic, socionomic, ergonomic. And so invenomic is investing in a way that's generally accepted according to the laws of nature. Uh, We're not black boxes running a computer. We're looking at the companies and really trying to understand them. So invenomic, I-N-V-E-N-O-M-I-C dot com is the website. Okay. Our fund is actually available. One of the things we're really proud of is we're one of the few funds we're launching a USITS product to in December, but we're one of the few hedge funds that's going to be a- available pretty much globally in a daily liquid structure on most of the platforms out there. And our ticker in the U.S. is BIVIX, B-I-V-I-X. 
and you can get it on Schwab, Fidelity, all the platforms. So, you know, most hedge funds have very high sort of accredited investor standards in these things, and we go through a lot more compliance with the SEC so we can make it available to the general public. Uh, and then the director of client relations is Bob Marks. He's a great guy. So uh, if you want to reach out to him, he's at 617-742-2210. Very good. Thank you very much. So, Ali, uh, final words for our listeners here. Uh, value is not dead. Value can't die. Value is an economic concept that basically what happens is if you look at if you look at these cycles, the reason they iterate so much, just as a quick example, you know, if I invest a million dollars in a software company and it becomes worth a billion, the next person coming along is not going to go buy that software company for a billion. They're going to invest five million to try and take me down. And then the next one is going to come along and do the same thing and maybe put more and more money in. And so this is what happens with all the private money that's on the sidelines. You see all these hyper growth stories and everybody's saying growth, growth, growth. They're all that that's who everyone's trying to take down. No one's inventing your next, you know, uh, companies that sell widgets and screws. They're all trying to take these companies on. And as they do, that's what begins the next value cycle. Uh, so value is not dead. It's fundamentally impossible for it to be dead. And I think we're going to have a really nice run in the next 10 years. Uh, Ali, we all hope you are right. So uh, thank you very much for that positive positive attitude and uh, and input. So, Ali, thank you very much for joining us today and our best wishes for your and Invonomics continued success here and uh, even for the Patriots and Red Sox here. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. Good to talk to you again. Again, we're, uh, we've been talking with Ali Multamad, CFA, Managing Partner, Portfolio Manager of Invonomic Capital Management out of Boston. You've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio. We'd love to have you contact us at info at strategicinvestorradio.com and go to our website to hear podcasts of all of our interviews and shows, strategicinvestorradio.com. I'm Charlie Wright, wishing you an enjoyable week and productive investing. Strategic Investor Radio is a production of OC Talk Radio and is provided for educational purposes only. Content of this program and the views of the guests should not be considered as recommendations by OC Talk Radio or investment advice from the host Charlie Wright or any other entity attached to this production. Investors should always consult qualified financial, investment, tax, or legal professionals prior to investing.